What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's time for a new episode of Yank in a Swede, a Premier League podcast with me, Sebastian Noren, your Swede, and Elliot Niblock, your Yank. Man, oh man, it is tough being a Manchester United fan these days. We're going to break down United's loss to West Ham. We're going to touch upon Arsenal's win over Watford. Elliot is happy. I'm sad. <laughs> and then we'll also talk about that great game between Chelsea and Liverpool as match week seven is now in the rear view mirror. We'll also talk a little bit about the upcoming games midweek in the European Cups. But first, we got to go into the hell that is Manchester United right now. A tough 3-1 to defeat on the road against West Ham United. They uh, went down 2-0 in the first half. Felipe Anderson scored in the fifth minute. Then Victor Lindelof was uh, awarded an own goal in the 43rd after a shot took a deflection off of him and went back behind De Gea. And um, Marcus Rashford at least you know, pulled United with them fighting distance in the 71st minute with a goal after yeah, coming off the bench. And then three minutes later, Arnautovic yeah. killed the game. Yeah, yeah, he did. And, I mean, I'm trying... I'm grasping at silver-lined straws here, Seb. I'm trying to say something positive. There's nothing. Uh, I, I mean, Fellaini had a good header that forced Fabianski into a good save. The pink jerseys aren't quite as horrible as I thought they would be. That's well, all I got. Okay, well, <laughs> first and foremost, any other team besides Palermo should not wear pink jerseys. They, mm. found, they found the right hue of pink. So I'll leave it at that. Um, yeah, I, and now I've had both my teams, uh, both United and IFK Gothenburg, playing pink jerseys. So, yeah. um, hey, hey, do you own the pink IFK Gothenburg? Kit? I do not. Oh come on! I own no because I haven't gotten my hands on for uh, for my IFK Gothenburg jerseys. I only have game worn jerseys, so I have about. Okay, well, seven right. or eight of them. I, you can't. Well, you can't throw that at me. Like, come on. What yep. am I supposed to say to that? I have yep. no rebuttal. That's dope. They had a very back in the days here. Now they had a very nice black away jersey. I have one of those. I'm very proud of that one. Nice. Yep. And then I also have a Emmanuel Tete jersey. He's a player who went off into the mountains, and became a hermit. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a very bizarre story. Uh, but that's for another day here. So there's been a lot of calls for uh, Mourinho sacking. He says that he's unfaced about these calls. He's confident that he will not be sacked by Man United, and it's probably because they would have to pay him so goddamn much. But this is just a complete tire fire. I, I, I mean, mean I, I don't know how else to phrase it. Is It is a shambles of a club right now. Okay, well, before... It's unworthy before we a get club the... of Manchester United stature. Yeah. I've said this before. It's unworthy. And I told you before we started recording that this is how it must have felt being a Liverpool supporter the past 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure that... A lot of fans in Liverpool would say, yeah, well, now it serves you right. <laughs> You're just desserts oh, yeah. for no, all those I, years under Fergie. That is one thing. I know I've been extremely spoiled rooting for United. Extremely spoiled. I know that. 
but that doesn't mean that it hurts less. Yeah, of course. I mean, and, and this is, I mean, it's just about as bad a run as you could imagine, right? You know, uh, frustrating draw at home, crashing out of the League Cup, granted the least illustrious of the competitions they're in, but nonetheless losing to lower division opposition and then, a, you know, handy defeat um uh here before before we get into the Mourinho contract situation whether or not he's gonna get sacked is there anything besides the just quick blanket statement of oh attack attack is there anything that you think that the team can is there anything that can be done short of Mourinho being fired to uh, douse this tire fire. Yeah, they can just say screw it about his tactics and just play. Honestly, I think the Harry Redknapp approach of just go out there, boys, would be better right now. I really believe that. I think this team does have a lot of quality in it, but the system is totally wrong. I mean, we've seen what happened to Alexis Sanchez, who looks like a shadow of the player he was at Arsenal. There's no comparison. Yeah, and I think I think that that's got to be down to system, right? Because yes. I mean, he's coming he's coming off his first summer of rest in like half a decade, and that's not hyperbole. No, and I don't feel like a even if there would be a drop off in his game, it wouldn't be that significant as it's right now it's not like he just turned 35 and then all of a sudden just his leg legs died I, I I have such a hard time understanding this and I have a neither harder time understanding Mourinho's thought process when he looks at the squad and he's like this is how I'm going to get the best out of these guys nah it's like we're going to play my system this is the system. Now I'm going to fit this square peg into this round hole. And then he bangs on it with a gavel or something. And then it's like, oh, here, throw on Fellini. I am so yeah. tired of Fellini playing for this club. He, To be fair, though, like I said, he forced Fabianski into a good save yes, immediately prior to the rest. I've said football. this before, too. On a title competing team... Maron Fellini is at best on your bench. At best. Yeah. Yeah. And he's on your bench. And then he comes on every single freaking game. I'd rather they, they, that they play Pereira, that they play McTominay instead of him. Really. And then this, oh, crap, we're about to lose. Let's throw on Fellini and just chuck the long ball. It is so frustrating. It's so, so frustrating. So if we take a look here at the slate of games for United, they got Valencia coming up to Tuesday in the Champions League. We'll talk more about that later. And then in the league, they got Newcastle. Hopefully they can win that game. Who knows? But they're playing at home against Newcastle. Well, if they, okay. if they so don't win that game... Well, do you think that he could... Whoa. I mean, do you think that the midweek could tip it? even prior to that oh i mean I valencia mean, are a quality side but you it's oh, it's the theater of dreams 
Yeah. You have to you have to expect United to win that game. I don't expect anything from this team. Okay. Uh, let me let like, me backtrack. In a normal from, season, yes. Yeah. Right. So, uh, is okay. Before we get to the United Newcastle game, let me say, I. 100% if United lose to Newcastle at home, Mourinho's getting fired no matter how much they have to pay him like, to get him out the door. Do you think there's any chance that if they lose to Valencia, let's say in a similar manner to how they lost to West Ham at home, that he'll get the sack even before the weekend? No, I don't. And why is that? Because I... Let me tell you at least. Let me tell you why I think there's a chance that could happen, and it is because they travel to Chelsea the game after that. And I think that if you know if they are abject against Valencia and they lose again, then I think that they they pull the manager and they give whoever is going to be the interim at least the luxury of playing Newcastle, a team that is struggling with two points at this point in the season in the relegation zone at home to settle in before having to travel to Stamford Bridge. So I think that if United lose to Valencia, I think that's it. I think Mourinho's out. I mean, I hope you're right. (laughs) I really do, but I don't... I've said this before. I don't want them to lose just so he can get fired. Yeah, want, of course. You I want that. them to go far in the Champions League. That's a, you know, the biggest club tournament in the world. I want them to do well. But let's say they get a draw against Valencia and a draw against Newcastle. That might not be enough for him to get sacked. Maybe they squeeze out a one nothing win against Valencia and they draw against Newcastle. He stays. Yeah. No. I mean, there are. <laughs> They're going to keep I, I'm afraid that possible. even if they lose both games, that he would stay on. I do think, like you said, giving him the boot before that, you know, either before the game against Newcastle or right after the game against Newcastle to give whoever has to be the interim two weeks to prepare for Chelsea, that's a good thing. Uh, but at the same time, you have no idea really what's going on behind the scenes. We know Zinedine Zidane's name has been floated around, but... How much of that is true? Do they have something in place where they would fire Mourinho and then the next day is like, hey, Zinedine Zidane is here. Okay, well, here, now let me pose another scenario for you. Do you think... If you say Sam Allardyce, I'm going to hang up this call right now. (laughs) I was saving the big Sam card for later on, but you you said it, not me. Uh, I don't don't think... I don't think that the board are that dumb. I mean, they're dumb enough to cling to Mourinho, if nothing else, just for how large a payday he'd take away if they were to fire him. But I'm, I wonder, so this is the question that I have to pose to you. Do you think there's a chance that those negotiations, like those rumors of Zidane have legs and that, the results then don't matter and that they've already seen enough and that whenever whenever those negotiations are finalized and the dotted line is signed, then Mourinho's out. Because I think that 
I first of all, th- this is a highly speculative situation. But if I, you know, if I'm in the fantasy world in which I have complete control over a world class football club in charge of Manchester United and have total sovereignty over the board, that's exactly what I do. Is I stick by Mourinho because we don't, you know, like the the whole having a an interim manager is not going to necessarily be the the best thing in the world. But I don't fire Mourinho until I have Zidane's signature on paper. But that's only if those negotiations actually have legs. If there's nothing to that rumor, then I say, okay, get this guy out of here. We need to do something else as soon as possible. Even if that means, although I don't think it does, good Lord, Big Sam. I mean, no, they're not trying to avoid relegation. Come on, not yet. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I agree. And I think that most of the, the rumors of Sam Allardyce are trolling United and or clickbait. Yeah, I mean, from what I can read here is on a 250,000 pound a week contract. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money to pay a manager. So, and that's crazy. Yeah, I can't believe he's making that much. And I mean, there's just I don't really know if who knows is Sedan a better manager? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I would assume he is because I feel like, like I've said before, Mourinho's glory days are behind him. His system doesn't work anymore. The game has moved past him. But it's just hard to see who is going to take over. How can you? I have a hard time seeing them getting another manager from another club right now. Like, I would, oh yeah, I would love to see a guy like Pochettino. That would be awesome. Oh, you have no chance of getting no, Pochettino. I don't think so. None. Yeah. No, that's that's not happening. <laughs> I mean, I think that. Can you lure away Diego Simeone from Atletico Madrid? No. Also, no. Sorry, <laughs> that's also not happening. Um, I mean, I think Sudan did great with Real Madrid, but it's Real Madrid. Yeah, but United is United. Come on, man! Like you guys have the war chest to splash the cash on Pogba. You know, I'm I've got. Yeah, I, I feel for you in some sense because not only watching your team spiral, but watching your team spiral under a defensive-minded douchebag has to be really difficult. But you can't you can't say, oh well, it's Real Madrid when you're a supporter of the richest club in the world. I mean, I can because I feel like <laughs> well, yeah, you, you just did. <laughs> if you look at Real Madrid's lineup under. Sedan, I would take that over United's lineup. Yeah, I mean, I think that I do. It's, I just have no yeah. idea. I, I have no idea. I am lost right now, and it's extremely depressing. So I, I really don't know. Like, I don't look forward to the games. Uh, I'm sorry. That's a shame. Although I've also been there. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm going to throw out a name here that I think 
is probably a dark horse. Um, although he's, it's it's unlikely because he did just join another club, but the name that first came to my mind when I thought, ah, who, who will they hire is Slavon Bilic. Yeah, and that's, he, that's not going to happen now. No, it's not. And that's the thing is that because he was out of a job until just a few days ago, and now he's managing in, oh, God, is it the United Arab Emirates or is it Saudi Arabia? I I want to say it's Saudi Arabia, but I don't know. Saudi Arabia. Yeah, yeah it's Saudi Arabia. Um, I mean, Sidon seems to be the guy, so. Well, but again, but who? But we spoke about this earlier before – the United tailspin really kept spinning its tail. Like when, when this was just kind of, oh, they're, they're struggling. What happens moving forward? And theoretically, you know, I posed that thought experiment. And my thought then, which is similar to my thought now, is why on earth would Zidane take that job? You know, I mean, he has, his brand is, probably second only to Pep Guardiola at this point in terms of world football. Um, Possibly Diego Simeone or Jurgen Klopp could be in that conversation, but they're both in positions I don't see them leaving. Uh, Simeone is slightly more likely than Klopp, but he's an unattached, extremely in-demand manager, despite the history, despite the war chest that I just mentioned, why would he take a floundering club high pressure job without a summer transfer window before he takes the reins? Yeah, yeah he, I mean, it's not like he's going to be strapped for cash. No, I mean, one name that sort of popped up in my mind now because I didn't know what he was doing these days is Laurent Blanc. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't really done much since he left PSG. But at least he knows the culture of the club. He's been a player at the club. He's, you know, fairly proven as a manager. I mean, yeah. that would be the worst hire in the world, I think. You know, I think that's a good point. And I think that he, even though you know, he was only less than 50 caps for United, but still, as you say, he's a player who's familiar with the club. Um that's, that's not a bad shout, but here's the thing, is that he's kind of in this in this middle range, right, where do you, do you want him to take over on a permanent basis? I'm, I'm not sure. I think that even well, though give, we're give, only... Okay, so he's been out of a job since he left PSG in 2016. I think you can get him to sign on for the rest of the season with an option for yeah. another year. That's bad. I, you know, that's a good point. Because I was going to say, I'm not sure that he would really be that into the idea of signing merely a, a kind of stopgap contract as an interim manager. But that's a good point, man. Seb, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you on this one. And I mean, they need... you know, the name that I came up with was like, oh, I wonder if Billich is available. Yeah. yeah, he is. And then as of yesterday, he's not. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> We all know United are looking for a director of football. My services are available. <laughs> so, uh, it's big of you. I mean, I honestly think I would do a better job than Ed Woodward. So, <laughs> but, 
there's that. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But I don't think Sidon, Sidon, then you would have to sign that three or four or even five-year deal with him. But I just don't see it getting any worse, no matter who you bring in, really, besides Sam Allardyce, okay? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll leave United there for now and uh, move over to a little happier topic if you're a Gunners fan as um, Arsenal, man. The winning streak is real. Five wins in a row here in the league after defeating Watford. 2 nothing. Two late goals in this one. Uh, Craig Cat Hart was uh, awarded an own goal in the 81st minute and then Mesut Ozil scored in the 83rd. Yeah, we left it late, but that's that's fine. We got there eventually. Um, I am still not convinced by us defensively, and we I think kept that a clean sheet. We we did with we two kept a clean goalies. Sheet. With two goalies. Well, see, that that's actually what I was about to bring up is the injury to check. The, now the door is wide open, and yes. I think that. Any Leno, word on how uh, severe it is? It's, I mean, it, it's a hamstring. Even if the the best case scenario, he still won't be back until close to the end of this month. Mm. And that's a long enough time for Leno to establish himself as the number one. So the, the door is open. Whether, it's, whether he gets fast-tracked to be only three weeks or it's twice that on the longer end of the spectrum... I don't think it matters. Like, this is Leno's chance. And if he seizes it, then great. But it's not as the, I mean, you know, the chip that success just barely missed, he, this was a clean, yet another Arsenal keep a clean sheet. Wait a minute. How on earth did we keep a clean sheet? (laughs) Um, On still, that said, You've got to be happy with the victory. I think that one another big takeaway is uh, Awobi's improved performances, um, and he spoke, you know, after the match about how he feels a lot more confident, and that Emery's managerial style has, you know, been helping him. And he didn't technically get an assist, but he was the player who sent the ball in for that first own goal. Uh, I think that he's a player with a lot of raw talent and we're still just in the infancy of the Emory age. So I'm, I'm trying to kind of temper everything that I say uh, and not be too much of a Debbie downer, but also not kind of bandwagon jump just yet either. There, there are, there are good signs. Maybe we're starting to get the pressing system a little better. I'm not totally convinced. Um, but Aaron Ramsey's contract situation looms large. And it's especially bizarre because prior to the match, Unai Emery came out and said, you know, he's a big player for us. I'm not in charge of the contract. I want him to be a major part of the squad. It's not entirely in my hands. And then he subbed him off. And Ramsey was visibly upset. But I... I'm not sure that the decision was entirely reducible to just contract situation. You know, he was not, he wasn't the most useful player on the pitch. And I don't think that it's unfair to say, well, he came off and then we went on to win. 
that's pudding proof for you. So I actually, as sad as I am to see the Ramsey contract situation devolve as it has, he's a quality player. If we lose him on a free transfer, that will be an egregious mismanagement of the situation on the part of Arsenal. If we sell him for anything less than 40 million pounds, that will also be a steal. Oh, you won't get 40 mil for him if you sell him in January. That's the thing. Is he was he was a 50 million pound player this summer. What why on earth let September 1st roll around without a new contract? It just it baffles me. Oh no, I totally agree. I that goes for any sport. Don't go don't head into the season with one of your prominent players on an expiring contract. Just don't. It's so bad. It just it well, but even even more so in in world football, right? Because you know, maybe you there's a calculus in sports like American football or basketball or to a lesser extent baseball, wherein although the the strategy in terms of pushing for a championship in baseball actually comes back into play, but the player to player equivalence is different just because the teams are so much bigger and the longevity is longer. But regardless. There's a, a, a strategy in which you can say, right, this is a useful player and, you know, we wouldn't want to have to line up against him, but there's not really a market for us to trade for another position player that's going to get us a lot of value. And because everybody knows that he's coming into a contentious contract season, then we're not even going to get in the sake of the NFL, for example, the draft picks that we want, yeah, maybe it makes sense to run down the contract. And in that, like in that scenario, sure. But in this, it's it, it it's a mishandled situation, and I just I just don't understand. I just I just don't get it, you know. And and I don't I don't mean to have the pretense, even though said you did literally just offer your services as the director of football for Manchester United. <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to pretend, I'm going to sit here and pretend that like playing football manager or manager mode on FIFA is the equivalent to managing an actual football club. Obviously it is a gross simplification, but there, there are certain things that are plain as day to everyone. And this is one of them that it's just, it's really hard to watch situations be mismanaged like this time and time again and i mean we'll see maybe maybe it'll be mesoruzzo all over again but it's one thing to sell a totally disgruntled lexus sanchez it's another thing to sell a player who seems happy here who's a useful player who's worth at least as much as alexis if nothing else just because he's three years younger so it's it's frustrating, but still a good win for Arsenal. Happy to see, you know, uh, players like Danny Welbeck and Alex Awobi, who were certainly, you'd have to say, fringe to rotation. Um, Awobi a little less so, but still not better than that, you know, kind of making their presence known under Unai Emery. 
And that kind of competition for places, regardless of our struggles on defense, regardless of our mismanagement of contracts, has to be encouraging for Arsenal fans. Yeah. Yeah, so with that win, they're up to fifth place right now with 15 points, same as Spurs, who took a 2-0 win over Huddersfield. A couple of goals by Harry Kane. So um, good for my fantasy team, I can tell you that. Which which also means that we still have three teams without a win. Yeah, bizarre. Burnley defeated Cardiff 2-1, and then Newcastle fell... 2-0 at home against Leicester. So, um, yeah. I can already taste the beer. Mm. <laughs> Wait, is that the literal beer that you're drinking right now? I'm oh, no, no, no. You're buying me something much more expensive than a Miller High Life, that's for sure. <laughs> All, right. All right. Okay, so last game we're going to touch upon in depth here. Uh, Liverpool, Chelsea. Chelsea at home. 1-1 uh, draw. Uh, Hazard scored for Chelsea again. He's in fine, fine form, but he was uh, snubbed of the hero cape or whatever you want to call it as Daniel Sturridge tied things up in the 89th minute with a wonder strike. That was an amazing goal, but I, I think equally amazing. Well, perhaps not equally amazing, but. It depends on whether you grew up playing in the final third or the defensive third. But the uh, clearances off the line by Rudiger, especially on the Salah chance. But then David Luiz as well later on. I mean, th- it, this was this was one. I saw one of my uh, friends here in Virginia is also a United supporter. And he said, "I it pains me to say this because I hate both of these clubs, but loathe them as though I do. This was a beautiful match of football. <laughs> yeah, see, tied games can be fun too. Yeah, totally. So uh, I know it's not a popular concept in America, the whole tie thing. Yeah, it was funny. I watched um, some listeners will already know that I'm a fan of the Green Bay Packers. I grew up in Wisconsin, not far from the stadium. and Lambeau Field. Lambeau Field, yeah, about 25 minutes down the road. Or an hour and a half on game day. That <laughs> um, is what it is. But the uh, the Packers improbably ended up tying against the Vikings earlier this season. And a friend here in town I was watching with was like, ah, it's just such a weird feeling. Like I, I mean, yeah, but I'm a I'm a world football fan too, so I'm used to it. <laughs> yep. No, that's true. Uh, so one point each there for Chelsea and Liverpool. So, um, yeah, fine, fine game of football. But that also means that Manchester United is your new leader in the table as they defeated Brighton 2-0. So they sit on 19 points, same as Liverpool, but they have a plus 18. Excuse me, did you, did you catch yourself there? You just said Manchester United, not Manchester City. Oh, I was dreaming. Okay, Manchester City. I'm sorry, City. man. <laughs> i got to call you out yep. on that one. <laughs> that is as Freudian a slip as the Freuds can slip. Yep. No, that's true. <laughs> I wish. I wish. No, Manchester City, of course. <laughs> 2 nothing win over Brighton. Goals by Raheem Sterling and Sergio Aguero. So, plus 18 already for Manchester City. Seven games in. Liverpool yeah, in second, time. same amount of points. They got a plus 12. 
goal differential. Chelsea sitting in second, or third, sorry. See, now I'm all over the place. Third place with 17 points. So, uh, good race there towards the top of the table. Let's move on to the Champions League and Europa League. Kicking things off on Tuesday, as far as the English teams go. We got Manchester City against Hoffenheim. Man, should he, they should take care of work here against Hoffenheim, even though yeah. they're on the road. Yeah, no, I mean they, I they're I just can't so imagine. they're just so nah. strong, so so strong. Yeah. It's horrible to see, but it's the truth. Manchester United, like we said, they play at home against Valencia. Who knows how that game is going to end? And then on Wednesday, Liverpool, they take on Napoli. That's not an easy game on the road. And uh, Spurs play at home against Barcelona. Marquee matchup of the the midweek. Oh, yeah, 100%. That's the marquee matchup. I mean, I'm going to have to probably miss most, if not all, the second half of that game. But you better believe I'm watching the first. Yeah, very, very interesting. Then, Thursday, we got the Europa League. Arsenal, they take on Quarabag, FK, on the road. Yeah, we'll be without Enrique Mkhitaryan due to the Armenia-Azerbaijan conflict. Um, the club let the decision kind of be up to the player, and it sounds like Mkhitaryan, just like it's not... It's just not it's worth not it. not worth it, no. Yeah. I totally understand. Um, I mean, I, but here's the thing, is that the the final is also there in Baku. And mm. so should Arsenal <laughs> make it that far, yeah, on wood, hey? then that's, that's another consideration. But the thing is that also, you know, I spoke earlier on the show about how competition for places in the squad under Emery seems very real. And it's not, you know... Per, again, early days, but perhaps uh, more kind of meritocracy, fewer guaranteed spots than was the case under Wenger. Uh, and Mikatarian has found himself on the outside looking in for the most part. So, you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to speak about a potential cup final when we've only just barely broken into October, but. I mean, I don't know that his absence at that point in the season, barring a uh, spate of injuries, would really be felt that much. And also, it's a pretty, you know, it's an easy calculus. Okay, well, prior to the final, you just make sure to play him in the semifinal. Yeah, I mean, that that is quite the uh, conundrum there. And it's... it's... It just always, forces a little squad rotation, that's all. I mean, it always sucks when politics comes into place, really. That we are definitely in agreement. It's uh, it's a shame. It's a shame. Okay. And then Chelsea play at home against uh, Molvidi FC or Videoton from Sheskes uh, in Western Hungary. Man, you are a pronunciation expert for yeah. sure. Yep. My, uh, my quarter Hungarian blood is really showing through here. I, I don't know. You're a quarter Hungarian. Yep. Yep. Grandpa, Grandpa Ferenc came over from Hungary to Sweden many, many years ago. May he rest in peace. 
Uh, yeah, I probably butchered that pronunciation, but hey, who knows? <laughs> they currently sit in third place in the Hungarian NBI Liga. I mean, I, I'm assuming a slaughter here. Really, I'm sorry. Yeah, that seems fair. <laughs> yeah. yep. But good on them for getting through the Europa League and getting it. I mean, it's a cool, cool game for them to go to Stamford Bridge, really. Oh, yeah, definitely. So it's all good. For our Swedish listeners, we also got Malmö. They take on Besiktas at home. Let's see if they can get anything out of that game. Um, other than that, I think it's uh, time to wrap this up and, uh, we'll see what happens here in the coming days with Mourinho. We'll see how United fare against Valencia and if a, another collapse is near and if he will get sacked, who knows? But until then, you can always reach us on Twitter. I'm Seb Norin. Elliot is Keats was better. And then give one Yank, one Swede a follow as well. And we'll talk and we to should, you Yes. We should also say that. You can also reach us on Twitter even after Mourinho gets fired. <laughs> Not just until that happens. Oh, if he gets fired, you can send me those little cake emojis and champagne emojis and balloon cake emojis. Cake. Yeah. Cake on cake. That's definitely not the case right now with Manchester United. Okay, until next time, have a good one. Bye-bye.